Welcome to the Productivity Podcast today. We're joined by Simon Clapperton, who is a sales director at TPP Retail. Hi, Simon. How are you? Morning, Simon. Very well, thank you. Very well. Glad it's Friday. Yeah, we're uh, we're recording this on a Friday, so the weekend is in touching distance as we record, and it's not raining. There's a bonus. Exactly. There's a bonus. So, Simon, tell us a bit about yourself for maybe listeners that don't know you or haven't come across TPP Retail. So maybe start with your career and how you got to be sales director there and then give us a bit of insight around what TPP Retail do. Yeah, absolutely. In reverse, I'm relatively new to uh, the, the current industry, but I'll I'll go right back and explain where I uh, how I got to here. So I've been in sales uh, since university. Started off in, in hospitality sales, so corporate hospitality, uh, and then moved into uh, the printing industry, uh, predominantly personalised products, but actually a very uh, a business that was a very early adopter, which shows your age instantly, a very early adopter of um, online ordering, so e-commerce uh, ordering for personalised products, name badges, business cards, and predominantly selling into uh, the retail sector, so that was where my my retail um, uh, industry expertise uh, started to form. Uh, moved from there to um, a print management company, part of uh, the an office supplies business, um, a company called OEA Straker at the time, who then became uh, Office Team, um, and that move was predominantly it started off life uh, to manage the Arcadia account. So I'd been looking after that at BIG, the personalised products business, um, and then was asked to join OEA Straker as they uh, as they picked up the the Arcadia contract. Um, so within that print management environment, that was obviously the, the printed product, but it was predominantly around process improvement, process change, cost reduction, um, stock management, etc. So the product itself became quite secondary um, and it was very much about how could we uh, deliver value um, and extract value from a customer's processes and a customer's product and again that was predominantly selling into the uh, into the retail sector through uh, through working at office team I then uh, built up a relationship with TPP retail the pricing people as they were called then probably six years ago um and we resold a little bit of um tpp's uh product and solution um and it so it's been sort of a a relatively long courtship um until march last year um so i joined the business as sales director uh at a point in tpp's cycle that they were um on a growth trajectory and needed that sales um uh, sales management, sales directorship uh, to come into to come into play. So join that TPP on the first of March, and obviously on the twenty eighth of March, the whole world went into full lockdown. So it's been an interesting fourteen months for me, but a but a fantastic fourteen months. Um, probably met and learned more in my first six months than I have done anywhere else. Purely on the basis that I was sat uh, along with the rest of the country behind my laptop screen uh, and was able to meet six, seven, eight people in a day rather than uh, schlepping around the country, uh, getting one of uh, one meeting a day. And so it's been a fantastic uh, 14 months, despite the <laughs> the world crisis. 
Um, and yeah, we've had a great, great year, great growth. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been really good. So TPP retail, we are, um, we are predominantly a software business. So we're a software development, a house, uh, by heart. Um, but we are also a, a hardware technology reseller to, to enable our, our products. So we have a suite of software products that basically deliver, um, operational efficiency, uh, stock accuracy, uh, and pricing accuracy within uh, a retail store environment. So our, our mission is to put smart technology in the hands of store colleagues, uh, save them time, make them more efficient and ultimately make, enable them to sell more. So we have a, we have a software, uh, set called Retail IQ and within Retail IQ, we have um, Label IQ, which is a printing solution for shelf edge labeling, product pricing, price markdown was now, etc. Uh, we then have Stock IQ, as the name suggests, is everything around stock stock management. So it's receipting orders in, uh, stock counting, gap checking, uh, and perpetual inventory. Uh, and then pick IQ, which is the latest or the newest element of our, uh, of our suite of products. And that's all around, uh, fulfilling orders from store. So that is store colleagues taking an order, um, so an e-commerce order and then picking that in store and either dispatching out via a, uh, a carrier or customer coming for traditional click and collect. So yeah, in, in a nutshell and often with me, a very long, nutshell um but yeah that that's me and that's tpp retail awesome so i think we're going to focus today on the the last of the things you mentioned there in that product suite from retail iq which is pick iq so i think i don't think we know there's been lots of um changes in the retail environment in the last 12 to 18 months because the world's forced us to do things differently so we saw those early adopters in the first phase of the first lockdown who very, very quickly mobilized lots of uh, collect from store, pick and deliver, fulfill from store. Let's take it in baby steps. They're all subtly different, aren't they? So we've got pick and collect, pick and deliver, and I think there's pick for DC distribution center as well. So it might be worth just giving us kind of 10 seconds on the subtle differences of pick and collect, pick and deliver, and pick for DC. Yeah, absolutely. So they all start life as a an e-commerce order. So customer goes online, places their places their order. The traditional model has been uh, picking DC, picked in DC, and either delivered to customers' home or delivered to a store for click and collect. As you say, that's evolving. Retailers are are, are seeing the opportunity to to utilise store staff and store stock so same e-commerce order but rather than being directed to the dc is then directed to uh, a chosen store and you then have uh, the opportunity to carry on a click and collect so order is picked in store i'm notified as the customer and i can wander off to my local store and pick that order up or it is fulfilled from store um, and that is one of two two methods. So same principle. Store colleague is picking the uh, picking the order, and then they're either preparing it to be 
shipped overnight by a by a carrier, or we are seeing a significant growth in the same day delivery. So through the likes of Gopher, Stewart's that same day, people like that. So the order is picked, uh, collected by a same day courier, uh, and then delivered to a consumer's house within uh, whatever the agreed uh, agreed short window is. So within an hour, within two hours, etc. So everything starts off live, online order, and it's all about the the decision tree as to where it's best for the retailer to to pick and fulfil that order from. And this is really interesting for me because it then throws up a whole bunch of questions that we can we can work through so i think the first one i've in worked in retail stores uh, diy primarily my horror would be probably now somebody else or the online world is looking at my stock file it's got to be accurate and if not i'm going to start disappointing customers in that pick and collect or pick and deliver journey maybe the pick to dc one slightly differently because it comes from a pool of stores or availability the benefits you see one of those must be driving better or more accurate availability because everyone's now conscious that it's being published to the world yes absolutely and you, you, yeah you're, you're spot on and as as we know product files are not always the most accurate uh thing in a, in a retail in the retail space for for all, all good reasons it's uh it's an expensive or traditionally an expensive process uh to to maintain regular and accurate stock counting uh both in in the dc but also in the in the store environment so yes you're absolutely right there is exposure to the outside world in regards to to stock availability but beauty of um our solution to so the pick iq solution is that you are looking at a, an estate-wide stock figure and you've got the ability to bounce that order uh, around the around the estate uh, based on actual stock holding. So the only time it becomes a real issue is if it is a click and collect order, and typically people are doing that in a local store. So if that local store doesn't have um, doesn't have the product, then that precludes the uh, the short window collection. So place my order and I think I'm going to collect it this afternoon. If that store doesn't have stock, then I'll be collecting it tomorrow because it will be sent to the store from the DC. But that's relatively easily managed from from the front end. And if you set the client expectation or the customer expectation uh, based on the, on the service level. So I think we're finding, certainly in the early journey, retailers are saying it's a, it's a next day click and collect. Um but we'll notify you if the product's available sooner. And then actually the customer is uh, particularly pleased to be sent a text two hours later to say that your product's ready. So that's that's very much the start of the journey. But the other part of uh, sort of the, or the added benefit of our solution is, it, is exactly that point that is uh, an order is sent to the store colleague. They go and uh, look to pick that order and then they find a stock discrepancy they're then reporting that stock discrepancy back up the chain. So directly, you're you're also doing a stock count uh, at the same time as picking the picking the order. So rather than having two separate processes and two separate costs, um, we're we're also delivering a stock improvement over time 
to our customers through the uh, the ability to accurate, accurately report back uh, what the stock actually is in store. Yeah, no, that make, makes complete sense. And again, I think back to my retail days, we used to have, I think it was, you know, 80% of the items that you sell in some of these big out-of-town warehouses sold less than one a week in the company. So actually, in the early days of e-commerce, for the distribution center to hold that stock was a big overhead because, you know, if it came in cases of 12, 24, you had half a year's cover almost. So that ability to access stock that's slow selling from a store point of view rather than a DC point of view um, must be interesting. But also then you start to roll that forward into discontinued stock. So actually, can you sell through that if there's pockets of discontinued stock in the business rather than again taking it back to DC, you can start to move that around or at least identify where it could be picked from, which which then all gets into cost overhead reduction, doesn't it? And all those other kind of wider financial benefits. Absolutely. It's... um... Yeah, all, all of those points are are very salient, and you've got exactly that point that you've got these uh, DC and best wool in the world. It cannot hold all of the colours in all of the sizes um, across a, a broad product range. And I was talking to a, a DIY uh, hardware uh, customer the other week, and and they were talking about having two DCs, one for uh, consumer products and one for um trade trade customers um so already they were splitting into into two environments but some of the products crossed over um and the 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 point of another point of but one of the benefits of the fulfill from store model is effectively you've now got visibility or availability of stock across and we we've just gone live in a, a fashion retailer with 150 stores so they've gone from a single point of failure with a uh, a DC to now having 151 DCs effectively, so 150 small uh, small pick locations uh, and the one large DC. And it, in theory, now they've got that product somewhere in their in their estate. Obviously, with the ex- exceptions of fast movers, uh, etc. So yes, they've got availability of all of the products in all of the colours in all of the sizes at any given point, but also they are a um, uh, fast fashion business. Um, and that's, as we're seeing that, uh, that sector grow, they hold limited stock and often it's around uh, the demand. So a, a popular product, uh, there's a lot of social media hype around there being limited availability, which of course makes it more desirable. Um, but that will have regional variations. So if they push that product and they typically only push um, one of each size to each store um, and then hold obviously a limited number in, in the DC, but there will be regional variances. Um, so they have exactly your, your point, situations where a number of stores in the network are holding slow-moving or non-moving, non-moving stock and prior to to adopting uh pick iq their only route to that was to send that product back to the back to the dc so you're adding process cost you're adding physical cost uh in terms of sending it back to the dc and then that product has got to be fulfilled from the dc when it's ordered and and when you're talking about fast fashion at a relatively low price point 
by the time you've delivered the product to the store, shipped it back to the DC and then dispatched it from the DC, you've probably lost all of your margin, if not more, in, in delivery costs. So their estimation is that they're going to see probably about a 14% uh, sales boost just by having access to the stock at all points. Um, and there's a, a 150 million pound business. So it's a, uh, a significant boost for them. And that's just where they've got lost sales currently because the stock's either not in the DC or not at a particular store uh, as required. So yeah, there, there are some, some, some significant uh, sales benefits to this as well as productivity and process benefits. And it's interesting you touched on kind of that sales increase there. So again, putting my store manager's hat back on, I'd I'd probably have two questions for the head office teams when this was rolled out. One, who's getting the sale for it? So if I'm picking in DIY and we'll come on to bulk pick and single pick and part pick in a second, if I'm picking a pallet laminate flooring for somebody who's going to come and collect it and it's a 300 quid sale, one, do I, do I get the sale for that? Because I might be incentivized or bonused against that. And two, do I get the labor to pick that as well? So in my workload model, workforce management system, whatever it might be, do I get the hours for picking orders? Because I think at a company level, it's the perfect thing, but at a local store level, you kind of need to understand where your gain is for doing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And we're we're finding, and it, and it was interesting, so 18 months ago, so pre uh, pre-COVID when this was um, starting to be on people's radars but perhaps not uh, not with the urgency that it is that it is now that there was uh, a, sort of a, a variable view on on that sales pieces some of our customers just said look we take a, a blanket view that e-commerce sales generate X and we will evenly distribute that across uh, the entire store network. I had an interesting conversation with <laughs> with, with with one customer who was who, who took what I would suggest is a fairly old fashioned view that uh, I'm paying these store colleagues to come to work. They'll do it and they won't benefit from the sale. I don't think they'll they'll see much of a boost from this this activity. Um, but then the others, uh, and this is becoming more and more the the model, is that the orders that are picked by that store that store benefits from the from the sale and what they're then seeing is uh, an uptick in positivity within the store from the store colleagues because they're seeing a, a benefit to the activity that they're doing um, but also it's driving um, wider activity so you, as a as a store manager you'll you'll remember um, sort of great pride in the sort of the appearance of your store, the performance of your store, the sales figures in your store, and now with the world of social media, so we're seeing uh, individual store managers, individual store colleagues promoting their store um, and talking about their, their their sales activity and their success because ultimately they still want customers into the into the store and they're finding other ways to entice customers in or use the. Uh, the space in store to to create an experience for that customer um, whilst they're generating the sales through um, through the e-commerce through the e-commerce picks. Um, so yeah, we're definitely seeing the sales being uh, assigned to to the store who picks. 
um, and it also drives good behaviour. So with our solution, you can uh, you you receive the order, you can reject that order, and then a number of various uh, reason codes: no stock, too busy, store on fire, whatever the the reasons might be. Um, and we're finding that when the uh, the sale is attributed to the store, you see a significant decrease in the number of cancelled orders um, because actually it's, it's well within their uh, or well worth their while to pick that order. And then to your point about labour, probably slightly more complicated, I would say, and again slightly more driven by the uh, the complexity of the. Of, of the retailer and I guess the maturity of the retailer. So some of your examples there, we were talking about your workforce management uh, software, etc. You see that in a tier one retailer, um, but perhaps the, the mid-tier retailers perhaps aren't as sophisticated as that and perhaps don't run that, that type of software. Um, so they're very much seeing it as a, a capacity thing. And, and today, and that, that's changed in 18 months. So 18 months ago, it was... A perception of how busy stores were whereas actually obviously now stores are quiet today because of the uh, pandemic um so the the view today is that we've got store staff underutilized who can be picking these uh picking these orders and then retrospectively through a suite of reports that we provide they're then starting to look at that on a month-by-month basis and seeing the impact on uh on performance and then using that to see whether they can reassign staff uh, around a, around a store network. So I think in the in the tier one space, absolutely, there it feeds into the, the workforce management package. Then they can claim additional labour um, or be exposed. There, I say, if they've got too much labour and not not picking or receiving the right level of orders. That makes sense. It's good to see that people are starting to recognise the work that goes on in the store to do it and therefore the sale because I think that, that creates the buying. And you've, you've said a number of times that it arrives to the colleague. Does that arrive on their hardware, so a tablet or a phone, or is it a, a choice of where, whatever their their hardware is? It How does the colleague yeah. understand there's an order? So we supply a mobile computer, so most of your listeners uh, are familiar with that, but effectively a, a, a ruggedized uh, mobile phones, Zebra, Honeywell, Data Logic type handheld device. So we will send a notification down to uh, the app on that device that that tells the colleague that they've got an order to an order to pick. And again, depending on the size of the retailer, that might be a device that's at the the till point, buzzes, makes a sound, and then the colleague picks that up and, and carries out their pick. Or some of our larger customers with uh, larger stores, more devices, the colleague is wearing that device on their person. So the application notifies them that they've got got an order. They can then walk around the store using the, the device scanner to to scan the barcode of the product that they're picking and the, the application will tell them you need to pick, uh, as you say, laminate flooring, a box of dog food, uh, a red T-shirt, um, and give them the quantity. So they'll scan that. The, the advantage of this over the old-fashioned paper-based systems is it highly accurate. If you're scanning the wrong product, it's telling you you're scanning the wrong product. If you scan uh, and try and pick three products and you orders for two, it won't let you. 
if you've only picked one and you orders for two, it won't let you proceed the order until you've completed the completed the order. So you're you're doing all of this in the in the application. When you complete your order, um, at that point you're either generating a uh, a carrier label. So there's a there's typically a, a mobile printer that the colleague's wearing, or there's a desktop printer at the at the till point. So you you complete your order that prints out the carrier label and then it books the uh books the carrier as i say whether that's the same day courier or an overnight shipment to come and come and collect if it's a if it's a click and collect the end part of that journey is a notification to the to the consumer that their order is ready to be ready to be picked so it's a yeah it's an application that we've created and then it's delivered to the store colleague uh via the via the hardware and as i mentioned earlier the the advantage of that data-driven activity and also the accuracy of it means that any discrepancies are then delivered back to the central data file um, so that the product file is constantly being being updated. Perfect. And a couple of a bits of detail, but again, we both have worked across and with various retailers. There, there must be a number of things they need to set up in terms of process and equipment to package it and all that kind of good stuff to think about behind the scenes but from a an operational point of view what kind of things do you see or challenges across different industries with things like the bulk picks or the, the laminate floor in a pallet of versus the red t-shirt versus i get halfway through picking 10 items and i find out item number eight's out of stock so we we know how the supermarkets do it they offer substitutions or not but for other retailers you can't kind of substitute the red t-shirt for the blue one because clearly it's not a red t-shirt anymore so how do you see those differences across the types of pick and then different industries play out yeah that's a, it's a it's a really good point and you're absolutely right you can't replace a red t-shirt with a black pair of trousers uh and that's the sort of extremes you see with your supermarket substitution so as much as they do it i'm never quite convinced they do it that well so yes it's through the through the order so if you get to the point where yeah, you get you get to the red t-shirt and you, and you find that it isn't there or it's it's stock damaged you can then report that back and we've got customers that take a different view some say right it's a you're now effectively rejecting the whole order so slightly frustrating for the for the store colleague who's perhaps got four items to pick has picked three can't complete the order and has then effectively wasted that that time but we are finding that there is there's some acceptance that they'll have that early adoption pain, but now because they're reporting back that stock discrepancy, their product file on a, a, a daily, weekly, monthly basis uh, is becoming much more accurate, and therefore those mid pick issues uh, are, are less prevalent. But typically, they would reject that uh, that complete order uh, and then send that order to a to a different store. And slightly different rules again, based on click and collect, pick and fulfil. So if it's being sent from the store, it doesn't matter whether it's being sent from the Bristol store or the or the Bradford store. It, it's being sent. Um, but if it's being if it's for collection, then obviously there's a uh, again a decision tree that sends the customer a note that says you've ordered four items, three of them are ready. The fourth one will be available tomorrow, and then they've got a choice whether they come and collect twice or or wait um in terms of your your bulk scenario it's typically that those are for um 
a click and collect environment. So certainly the retailers that we've worked with are less keen to offer a delivery solution on uh, on a large bulk, perhaps just don't have that infrastructure in place in place yet. So they then typically restrict those uh, those bulk products perhaps to a, a smaller set of stores and then you've got a uh, uh, perhaps a, a longer journey for your collection order than you would than you would typically have. So the yeah the, the bulk orders, I would say that the process isn't as well uh, as well developed as it is on a on a smaller uh, either small order two three items or just small item red t-shirt box of dog food scenario. Yeah, no, it, it's fascinating, and I'm sure with all these things, the the processes will, will get slicker. And we've been out measuring some kind of pre-pandemic and seen some massive improvements in measurements post-pandemic. And clearly, your software will evolve as well. Simon, if people want to find out more about Pick IQ or Retail IQ in general, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit our our website tppretail.com. Send me a, an email. I'm always I was about to say I'm always online. Don't tell my wife and kids that. But yeah, Simon at tppretail.com. Yeah, drop me an email, visit our website. I'm more than happy to discuss this in more detail with anyone who's um, who's interested. Perfect. And I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile on the show notes so people can just click on those. And if they want to collect, connect, there's another way to get in touch there. Final question from me then everybody that comes on the podcast gets it what's the best bit of business advice you've ever been given wow that is an interesting question uh lots of good and lots of bad as you can probably imagine but probably and a, a relatively recent thing i think we all get caught up in trying to be all things to to all men a phrase more than perhaps advice but it was know what you do well and do it often or know what we sell well and sell a lot of it and that was uh, that was a yeah, relatively recent piece of advice that stuck with me in the last in the last few years. Stop trying to be all things to all men. Realise what you do well and do a lot of that. Makes complete sense to me. We'll pause on that note. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Really enjoyed this chat on an area that's moved massively in in the last twelve months, and I'm sure we'll continue to as retailers develop and um, you know pick IQ develop. So thanks for coming on, and we'll catch up soon. Excellent. Thanks, Simon. Speak to you soon.